0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwad. And as we sit here today on Tuesday, March 21st of 2023, the Pittsburgh Penguins sit outside of a playoff spot with just over three weeks to go. Of course, they were supplanted by the Florida Panthers, who got a win over the Detroit Red Wings. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Penguins on home ice fell to the Ottawa Senators by a score of 2-1. to one. We have a packed show for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the Penguins' defense. Obviously, lots of injury news came to the forefront yesterday. Didn't really play a factor in yesterday's game uh, all that much, but we'll talk about how it will play a factor going forward for the Penguins as they try to claw back into playoff positioning. Speaking of that, we're going to talk about the Florida Panthers and the Penguins fighting with the Panthers and the Islanders heading down the last stretch of the season, trying to clinch their 17th straight postseason berth. And then we'll talk about the forward lineup because last night, a couple changes were made. Alex Nylander out of the lineup, Danton Heinen back in, and of course, Mike Sullivan, as he has done a lot over the past couple weeks, hit shuffle. On the Penguins forward core. So we'll talk about that and more on this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast. But Horwat, you were in the building last night. It seemed like the atmosphere was dull. Not great. Yeah, dull seems like a good word for it. Obviously, the Penguins headed in with many injuries on defense. Friedman, Ruedel, and now Taylor Fadoon get into the lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What did you see from the back end for Pittsburgh Penguins? in last night's loss
1: hey you know what nothing terrible nothing terrible i mean too, far too many on man rushes but that's been you know the name of the game all season so run of the mill par for the course for this team i guess uh yeah it's it, it wasn't anything totally awful i mean brian Dumoulin trying to do his best bob your impression all night was quite fun uh crystal tank is crystal tank i Forgot to look at how many minutes he ate up because with all those defensive injuries, I thought to myself, over under 29 ish. Uh, and he ended with a grand total of only, no, wait, wrong number, 29 33. Yeah, there it is. Wow. That's, uh that man's a madman. But, yeah, I don't think it was totally awful. The odd man rushes, like I said, it's, that's something we've just been dealing with. Um, and we, Kind of figured that like Fadoon wouldn't see that much playing time. I don't think he did. Uh, Friedman is Mark Friedman, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, he seems to be a less scrappy version of himself more this year, though, which is a little interesting. Um, but, you know, I would say the defense as a whole was pretty meh. You know, it's pretty average for
0: what we come to expect. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole, even when fully healthy, don't have one of the top defenses in the National Hockey League. So with all these players out, you just hope that they can limit the other team's opportunities and they were able to do that last night but when you look at the names that are out there are now four players that are injured for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Three of them on the injured reserve. Two of them on the long-term injured reserve. So we'll go down through these here. Dmitry Kulikov went down first. He's week to week with a lower body injury. He's on long-term injured reserve. Will be back or at least eligible to return The couple days into April Jan Ruda is week to week now with a lower body injury as well. He was not placed on long-term injured reserve. So we're hoping that that's a little bit of a shorter term injury as far as maybe getting him back next week or a week and a half from now. Hopefully not as long as these other guys are expected to be out Marcus Pedersen. That's the big one. He is week to week with a lower body injury as well. Uh, He is on long-term injured reserve and is eligible to return if healthy with two games left in the season. And at this point, it looks like those two games are going to be important, so it might be important to get Pedersen back. But for 10 of the next 12 games to end the season, he is guaranteed to miss. Uh, Not a good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And of course, Jeff Petrie is day-to-day. He skated after practice yesterday after the morning skate, so we'll see if he's able to return on this current road trip they're about to embark on against Colorado and Dallas. But the Pedersen news, he gets hurt in that, embarrassing loss on Saturday evening to the New York Rangers. Last period of the game, nothing much to fight for, and you lose what is probably your second, if not arguably your best defenseman on the entire season. He's out for the entire rest of the year, except for perhaps two games. How big of a loss is Pedersen for this defense?
1: That's huge, and that is likely bigger than losing LeTang. I mean, we have lost the tang already for a uh, fair amount of games this season, and we covered fairly well. Jeff Petrie can... I mean, we thought he could do that job, right? Kind of be the trigger man to a power play, run an offensive defense, run offense from the defense. Um, Yeah, it, it, losing Pedersen, though, he seems to have brought this new energy in himself. That is, he's going to play really good defensively. He's going to chip in with a good as a good puck mover. This is just probably the biggest defenseman you could lose this season um yeah his loss can't be you know understated enough he's that's going to hurt the team more than anybody realizes and it may have already started showing itself yesterday Mm -hmm. i mean taylor for played fine don't get me wrong but you know he's not going to eat up the same amount of minutes that petterson's going to eat or
0: or that even jan rude is going to eat for that matter i think this
1: is going to be a tough stretch without
0: Patterson in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on one hand, and I disagree with you on the other when it comes to he's more important than Letang, or it's easier to replace than Letang. Yes, I agree with you in the fact that when you look at the left side of the defense versus the right side, Petrie does have that capability that, you know, we've seen him get to that level before in his career. Meanwhile, on the left side, Brian Dumoulin is not lo- no longer able to get to the level that Pedersen has played at. P.O. Joseph is kind of a mixed bag. Sometimes you see that he could get to that level, but I don't think he's quite touched the level that Pedersen has played at this season when he's at his best as well. And then of course you bring up Mark Friedman, and 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 that's not you know an equal trade off either. So I understand it from that value, but I also think on the right side, like I wouldn't say that quite as much because Latang like power play one. He can play the penalty kill if you need him to and the amount of minutes that he eats up versus Pedersen. But the unfortunate thing is both Letang and Pedersen were playing, starting to play pretty well together for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now, you know, back to the drawing board for Mike Sullivan and crew because now they have Joseph Letang as the top pairing. We've seen that a couple times this season. Hasn't been horrendous, but clearly has not been as good as Pedersen-Letang was showing that they were going to be. Dumoulin Ruweedle was the second pairing last night, and Friedman Fadoon was the third pairing for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but like you mentioned off the top of the show, the defense wasn't the reason they lost the game last night. Now, were they forced to play a lot of defense? No, because the Penguins controlled possession and played about 85% of the game in the Ottawa Senators' zone, which makes it a little bit easier to defend, but I do think that when you look at them moving forward and the teams they're about to play... Dallas, Colorado, even Washington on Saturday when they get back to PPG Paints Arena, the defense is really going to be pressed. And if Jeff Petrie is not back, especially for these two games on the road, it's going to be a tough stretch of them trying to prevent high-quality chances because even last night, we say that at the end of the day, can't really blame the defense as much. But on that last goal, it was the penalty kill. You can certainly look at, Chris Latang and Brian Dumlin and say, what were you thinking specifically Dumlin? Cause he was out the lunch on that second goal. The one scored by who scored the game winner last night. Was it Batherson? Yes. Yeah. Scored by Batherson because I mean, leaving two guys out in front, I have the picture on my Twitter account, but still uh, the way that the defense played last night was okay. But the offense and forwards did a good job of insulating them in that first game without four of their top defensemen. But Horoth, the question I do want to move on and ask you is, do you think these injuries, because apart from Petrie, we're not sure how much we're going to see of these other three guys. So do you believe these injuries, particularly Pedersen's, could be the final nail in the coffin on the Pittsburgh Penguins season and playoff chances at that? It, it truly might be. It truly might be. This... <sighs>
1: It's hard. This is a team that's been riddled with injuries all season. It's been riddled with injuries for the last two decades. And they've always found ways, right? Yeah. Like, let's look at historical. Like, let's not even look at this season. Let's look at years prior. Didn't have Evgeny Malkin for the first 41 games last season. Didn't have Crosby for the first handful last season. Years and, you know, other seasons before that, didn't have Malkin for this stretch. Didn't have Crosby for this stretch. Didn't have Letang for this stretch. Didn't have Jake Gensel for a stretch for a while in there. Keep going back to... You know, the pre-Mike Sullivan days. It's the same situation. Didn't have these certain players. Um, This one feels different because back then, and even last year, the team found ways to win. Other guys stepped up. The bottom six did stuff. The defense played a different role. We had goaltending. This year we have none of those things. We don't have someone who can make saves consistently. Not that Tristan Jari played bad last night, uh, but, you know... he again let up a goal in the eighth shot of the game it's become a consistent thing i think uh metzer talked about it once up in the press box that tristan jari gives up a goal in the first five shots it seems like every game and i've been watching that ever since and oh my god he has Mm -hmm. so you're not getting the correct saves then there's the defense that is the one that's injured and there's like yeah the top six is good Honestly, it's kind of faded the last few games, but it's kind of, Everyone's faded whenever you only score once in... How many periods? Six. Seven? Eight? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Kind of hard to say, you know, that your offense is blowing up right now. So everyone's kind of taking a step back at the wrong time. But at least the top six looks consistent, right? Looks good. There was... They were in the zone for four minutes yesterday. I don't know how many shots on goal they got. It didn't seem like many. But they were in the zone for four whole minutes yesterday. Uh, the top six is doing just fine. They're just not capitalizing. And, again, the bottom six, just a pile of dust. Mm-hmm. Just a pile of dust. They swapped out Nylander. We'll get to that. But they swapped out Nylander, Nylander for Heine because they're out of options. We are out of ideas. And, I mean... Jeff Carter's still getting thrown out there. I don't care how few minutes it is.
0: It's more than zero. Yeah. The thing about Jeff Carter, though, is yesterday I thought he was deployed correctly in the third period. He had three shifts in the third period. He didn't touch the ice after the Penguins tied the game with 521 left in the game. His three shifts, there was one in the first five minutes, one in the second five minutes, and then he came out on the second power play unit. Uh, on that power play opportunity about halfway through the third period, had about a minute-long shift to end that power play, and then got off the ice and didn't get back on the ice. Like That's the thing. I I think Mike Sullivan, when he's looking at this lineup now, I I think that he has the understanding that, listen, I'm not working with very much. I need to, one, insulate Jeff Carter more so than he already did, and and two, just really make sure that, These guys are are put in the position to hopefully get more opportunities for the top six and and not give up opportunities featuring the bottom six. So, I mean, with Jeff Carter, I thought he was deployed properly yesterday, and and I, I think that there's a reason why he didn't make any boneheaded plays that people were mad about. I mean, he had the one wraparound opportunity, and he just... It was a pathetic opportunity at that. I mean, at that point, just shoot the puck on the net. You you should know that you don't have the legs to beat the goaltender to the other end of the post. But, you know, I, I don't think that I take any of that against Jeff Carter. And, and honestly, the team as a whole, they performed well last night. But the issue is they just can't finish. And the problem is, like, the bottom six, there's no finish in the bottom six. The top six, if they go cold for a night, this is the result. 50 shots and one goal against a guy who was making his first NHL start and his first appearance in six years since the inaugural season of the Vegas Golden Knights. When he played nine minutes. Exactly. So, like, it's not that they played bad. 65% of the shot attempts at five on five, 72% of the actual shots on goals, 77% of the scoring chances, 74% of the expected goals. But those numbers are fine, The most important number is goals. They had one, and it took them 54 minutes and 39 seconds to score it. And really, they shouldn't have scored that one. Like, Ricard Raquel got lucky on that goal. So there's just no potency to the offense. And, And, you know, we started this entire conversation on the defense. But, you know, if the offense isn't humming at that level, then the defense is going to be in even more trouble because they're going to be forced to defend. They weren't even forced to defend, and the Penguins still weren't able to come away with the victory. Nope.
1: Nope. Dumb penalties at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, Not getting a save in the proper times either, I mean.
0: I don't know if I'd go with that because, I mean, before the goal, Tristan Jari made probably his best save since returning. I'm talking about the first one. The first one wasn't great, but at the same time, it's a good, play, well-placed shot by Thomas Shabbat.
1: Yeah. You're a top five. You're supposed to be top five going in the league, though. Make it. Figure it out. Yeah. I, the time for uh, – that's the other thing, too, is that the time for finding excuses is pretty much over, right? Don't We understand that – you know, I said it last episode. Both these teams are out here trying to do a job, right? They are. Both these teams are out here trying to do their job. The Ottawa Senators are still fighting for their playoff lives. You think they're going to lay down and die? No. They still think they have a chance at this. They beat us, so it turns out they might have a better chance than us. Um, they still have a job to do too. You know, they're gonna beat you on certain things. They're gonna try and score those goals that you should have back. Make sure they don't have those chances. I okay, yeah, perfectly placed shot. That's gonna happen. The best goalies in the league make those kind of saves happen if they can. You know, and. We forget about it. Penguin, if the Penguins score on more than one of those 50 shots they took, we forget about it. We don't even discuss that. But here we are. So, And also it's the fact that for Jari, this has been a trend. This has been a trend. Letting up a goal in the first 10 shots of the game. Now losing... I mean, we're on a four-game losing streak. He's lost all four, hasn't he? He's been pulled in one
0: of them at least. Maybe yeah, two he's, of them. he started five straight.
1: Yeah, so... That's enough of that. It's been pulled in two of them.
0: Yeah, it. You got to make
1: that safe. You haven't had the track record to get away with allowing a perfectly placed shot go by you. You haven't been good recently. No other way of putting it. Yeah. So, it's it, is it harsh? Probably. What what has also been harsh is that he's losing the starting job, and it's not because of how good Casey DeSmith has been. Mm-hmm. It's because of how abysmal he has been. So. Yeah. I don't know it's this team's in in hell this team's in turmoil like it's not getting pretty and with 12 games left we're gonna keep track of this with 12 games left you have 24 points on the table uh you gotta get as many as possible you have to get damn near 20 of them
0: yeah good luck Good luck. Yeah, the only solace for the Pittsburgh Penguins is there are two teams that they are within an arm's reach of to be able to try to overtake, one being the New York Islanders, which they have one game in hand on and are two points behind, and the Florida Panthers, who are evened up in games and have one more point than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I I think to close out the conversation on last night's actual performance, everybody's going to say, I mean, they had 50 shots on goal, They still couldn't score. You know the reason, and it's obvious if you watch the game. Where are these opportunities coming from? Some of them are coming from a decent spot on the ice. How many of them are second chance opportunities versus how many of them were just shooting the puck on the net and then having to go puck retrieve in the corners? The only thing the Senators did really particularly well on defense yesterday was not allowing rebound opportunities for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But at the same time, I would argue that the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't fight enough for those rebound opportunities. They don't really have the guys to fight enough. I mean, Jason Zucker has cooled off significantly since his his hot streak. He hasn't. He wasn't really noticeable to me in that game last night. Um, but also, apart from him, who's really fighting in the net front? Like Ryan Paling, Josh Archibald. These guys are scrappy. They're not fighting in the net front. Drew O'Connor, the same thing. He's scrappy, but he's not fighting in the net front. Heinen certainly is not going to do that. Who in the top six is really going to do that? Rust uh, on occasion, but not consistently. Jake Gensel goes to the net front, but I'm not going to say what he does is necessarily fight. He kind of tries to find a soft spot and uh, fade into the background and hope it comes to him. There's not enough fight for me down low, and when you're fighting in a dogfight for playoff positioning, those are the goals that are going to get you in. It's not going to be the perfect cross-crease one-time passes. It's not going to be the beautiful tic-tac-toe plays. It's going to be deflections and rebound goals in the paint. And I don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins are doing enough of that in recent weeks to consider themselves a team that is going to be in a good position at this moment in time still with one point or two points out of a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, it's you have to it's got to be the collective team effort thing right especially in the forward group here the time for asking for the bottom six to do anything is that's come and gone. we're yeah. we're wasting breath if we think that's going to help at this point we're wasting breath if we think us ple- begging and pleading for the bottom six to perform will do anything don't get me wrong we've enjoyed watching drew o'connor this season but that dude doesn't score anymore <laughs> And it's not like he really did in the first place. He had a couple of great opportunities uh, throughout the season, and has looked good. He's looked really good. The finishing is just not there yet, and maybe that's you know, maybe that's who's around him. Maybe that's
0: maybe that's just who he is.
1: Yeah, maybe that's that. Maybe that's situational. Like I said, he's getting his chances. He's got that great. He's got a phenomenal shot for his mentality, but it's just not capitalizing. It's not going in. Um we're going to keep flipping Dan Heinen in and out of this lineup. Jeff Carter needs no introduction. Ryan Paling is the third line center now. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Gee G- whiz, guys. And then Mikhail Grandland, who looked okay to start and has turned back into the depressing trade that we were all expecting. Mm-hmm.
0: His team is in hell. Yeah. Uh, that's certainly one... Well, that's one way to put it, and I I think many people would agree with you as well. But we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, Penguins are in a dogfight, like I mentioned, with the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders, but the Panthers are the ones that have kind of come up on a hot streak. We'll talk about them right after the break. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com an affiliate of the hockey news. Shout out to the hockey news. We're very happy to be on board there as the push for the playoffs uh, is heating up. The Pittsburgh Penguins will need to push a little bit harder because they are now outside of a playoff position with the Florida Panthers overtaking them on Monday evening. Panthers also have a game later on this evening against the Philadelphia Flyers so one can imagine that they have a good opportunity to extend their current one-point advantage. The New York Islanders have 80 points in 71 games. They sit in Wild Card one. The Panthers have 79 points in 70 games. They sit in Wild Card two. Then there is the Mendoza line, which tells you whether or not you're going to get to play in the postseason. And then there's the Pittsburgh Penguins. 78 points in 70 games. Horwath, who between these three teams i think we can all agree that at the moment the new york islanders and the florida panthers are playing better than the pittsburgh penguins but who between the penguins and the panthers let's say that is the better team
1: dude the panthers are surging right now they look really good i think they've won three in a row they uh they have a pretty easy schedule coming up i think like you said, Philly tonight. They have Ottawa as well. Montreal's in there. Toronto twice though, so that hurts. But um, Toronto
0: three more times this season.
1: Oh yeah, there's a third. Two more times in a, in like this month. Buffalo, Columbus, Ottawa again. They have important games coming up, but I they're surging. You know, they beat the Devils. They beat the Canadians nine to five. That was that game. They are hitting their stride at the exact right time. Those are the teams you worry about, mm-hmm. right? Those are the teams that find their way in. That's exactly what they're doing because now the Penguins riding a four-game losing streak are doing the exact opposite, finding ways to lose at the worst possible time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sewering our chances. It really is. We're a minus four in goal differential now. Um, and... At this point, I would have to say Florida. I really would. They don't know what that goaltending has become. Apparently, it's become enough to win. But you win three in a row at this time of year to put yourself into this position. That's exactly
0: what you need to do. Yeah, one week can change everything at this moment in time, especially considering how close all of these teams are and the fact that a lot of these teams have similar schedules. Um We'll talk about that in a minute, but when I, I just look at the team and the way that they've been playing, in their last 10, the Pittsburgh Penguins are 4-5-1. and one. They've lost, as you mentioned in the first segment, four straight games in regulation, and the Panthers on the other end, this meteoric rise back into a playoff spot is due to a 7-2-1 and one record in their last 10, and like you also mentioned, a three-game win streak. When I look at the Florida Panthers, though, the big issue with them early on in the season was injuries. They were losing a lot of their key pieces. Aaron Eckblad was struggling with injuries, massive part of their blue line. They didn't have Anthony Duclair until after the All Star break, and Duclair is a massive part of their bottom six. And then you also mentioned the fact that you know Spencer Knight is is in the NHL assistance program. We hope that he's getting the help he deserves, and and, and honestly, hopefully he get that gets the help that he needs. But That leaves them with Sergei Bobrovsky, who has been as inconsistent as Sergei Bobrovsky has ever been. He has like a 905 save percentage, but it's the same thing that the Penguins are facing with Tristan Jari. It's a coin flip. Now, Jari has come up on the bad side of the coin more often than not since he returned from his injury, but let's not forget that earlier in the season, Tristan Jari was coming up on the right side of the coin for a long period of time. So it's a coin flip in net for both of these teams. I would give a healthy blue line advantage to Pittsburgh. I, I I like the Florida Panthers blue line to a certain extent, but I do think that fully healthy the Pittsburgh Penguins have a slightly better blue line. Not that either of them are particularly good, but the big advantage is Florida's bottom six and their forward core is so much better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's three names that I'll mention. Some of them play in the top six, some of them play in the bottom six, but they're the second-tier stars that can play in any position and get spread out throughout the lineup. Carter Verhage is having a career season. He has been phenomenal. Anthony Duclair, as I mentioned, missed a lot of time with injury this year, but he is back and making a difference in their bottom six. And Itu Luostarinen is currently playing on their first line, The dude is great, and that's even without mentioning Anton Lundell, who is a very young player playing important minutes for them as a third-line center. This is a team, oh, and I forgot Nick Cousins too. This is a team that is a good mixture of youth and experience with veterans. The Pittsburgh Penguins just overloaded on experience with veterans and barely give their youth a shot. That's why I think at this moment of the season, you see the Florida Panthers are heating up. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are falling falling out of it. And it's not because Crosby and Malkin are old. It's not because Brian Rust is over thirty and so is Jason Zucker and Ricard Raquel's getting there. It's because the depth is so much vastly superior with the Florida Panthers than it is with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You look at the fact that the Penguins had to basically sell off for free pieces just to bring in new guys. They bring in Mikhail Granland who is, let's be honest, he's been a ghost. Apart from one game against Philadelphia, he's been a ghost. Jeff Carter, who most people are hoping he'd be a ghost. When he's a ghost, that's a good thing. That just doesn't happen very often. He makes a mistake instead. Paling has been in and out of the lineup. Has he ever been fully healthy this season, other than the beginning of the year? Who knows? Heinen? Heinen pulls off more Houdini tricks, than anybody on a Vegas Strip right now. Like, he can disappear mm-hmm. very fast. So, the, the Florida Panthers, they haven't been consistent this year. They've been injured a lot, but they're getting healthy, and they're getting hot at the right moment. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are going in the opposite direction. And that just spells disaster for the boys in black and gold. And it just does not look good right now. So, I mean, this is a very long-winded answer, but I would say Florida is the better team.
1: The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you with sacrifice. Um, <laughs> it's fun that you were able to go through all those players, and not mention who their leaders are. Yeah, that's like you, like and that just goes to what you're saying. The depth. De- uh, Matthew Kachuk is fourth in the NHL in scoring. Fourth,
0: ninety five points.
1: He's gonna hit a hundred. Yep. He's. When's the last time the Penguins had a hundred point score? Two
0: years so ago, kind Crosby, of recently, but.
1: Yeah, it was Crosby's kind of recently, but still.
0: And it was 100 on the dot.
1: Yeah. Uh, Matthew Chuck's the fourth leading scorer in the NHL. And whenever you think of the Panthers, yeah, they're not really the big, flashy, popular team. But who's the name you normally think of first? Sasha Markov? Markov.
0: He's third on the team in scoring. He's not even leading that team. And he's one of the players that's been injured a lot this season.
1: Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, that's, a, that's what you call a playoff team. Mm-hmm. That is what you call a playoff team getting hot at the right time. You got the depth that can do things where you can have full conversations with them making it into the playoffs and not mention their top scorers mm-hmm. or their leader. Yeah. That's what you call a solid team. Will they do anything in the playoffs? Oh, who knows. Who knows. They they <laughs> floundered around for far too long in the regular season, but at the same time they are
0: whipping it up at the right time. Yeah. Spe- speaking of Houdini acts, we saw that last year in the postseason where the best regular season team, the president's trophy winning Panthers just dissipated against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I mean, maybe, I don't know. This is how things work in sports. Maybe once you fall off and the national attention goes away, the pressure goes away and they play better in the playoffs. Who knows? But in order to get there, they need to still outperform the Pittsburgh Penguins. They need to still outperform the New York Islanders. And when you look at what's left for all these teams... Panthers have 12, Penguins have 12, Islanders have 11. All three of these teams have six home games remaining, and all three of these teams have five games remaining against currently seeded playoff teams. The Islanders have Toronto, New Jersey, Carolina, and Tampa twice. Okay, so that's most of the top teams in the East. The Panthers have the Rangers, Carolina, and Toronto three times. The Pittsburgh Penguins play Colorado, Dallas, that's this week, (sighs) and then they have Boston, New Jersey, and Minnesota. I would say if you look at strictly the playoff teams they're playing, the Penguins have the hardest schedule because Colorado and Dallas are on the road against those teams that are duking it up for first place in the Central Division. Boston is looking to break the record for most wins in a season in the NHL's history. New Jersey is kind of tiptoeing around the metropolitan division lead and Minnesota is the hottest team in hockey in March. It's not going to be easy for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nope. Nope. Toronto three times will be tough, but yeah, as we just saw with New York, anytime you play a team three times in a row, especially a division rival, it's, it's not going to be easy to take all three of those games. Yeah.
1: So three, like good on Florida. If they're able to pull a couple of wins out of that, that'll be tough. Um, but Toronto, toward the end of the season, I mean, how much do they care? <laughs> They're good. They're set. They they've had their playoff, not even their positioning, their but matchup. their their match. They've had their ma- matchup since December, basically. So, um, truly, it is up to Flo- it, it, It's everyone's got their own destiny to control here, right? Florida, Pittsburgh, and the Islanders are still there. Um, it's up to them to really drive it home and take every point they can get. Like I said, for each of these teams, or for at least uh, the Panthers and the Penguins, there are 12 games left. That's 24 points on the line. That gives the Islanders 10 games left. They have one tonight, so the Penguins do gain that game in hand back tonight if you want to keep it day by day with that sort of thing. but It only matters you know, you if gotta, the Islanders lose. And you got to win those games in hand yeah. still. true. That's the other thing. Um, It's...
0: Not a great situation for Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all comes down to who's going to play the best. I mean, when you look at those schedules, yes, Pittsburgh has probably the tougher of the playoff teams remaining. But at the same time, it's five playoff teams remaining for everybody. It's six home games remaining for everybody. The schedule is evened out. It all depends on how the team responds and how the team plays. Like, you can argue semantics about, oh... You know, the Penguins, like we just did, the Penguins have the tougher schedule when it comes to which playoff teams they play and where they play them. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to go out there and win games no matter who's across from you. We've watched it in the past week. The Pittsburgh Penguins lost games to the Montreal Canadiens and now the Ottawa Senators, both games in which they controlled the play vastly and both games in which a stupid mistake Or multiple stupid mistakes have cost them the actual victory. And they lost both of those games in regulation. So you're going to need to just outperform a Panthers team that is red hot right now. And an Islanders team that has been winning all these games without their best player. Because Matt Barzal has been out for three or four weeks, and they are, I believe, 8-2 and two or 8-4, and four, something in that stretch. But they're missing their best offensive player and still winning hockey games and still controlling their own destiny. The Pittsburgh Penguins need to take a page from the Islanders' book. Stop focusing on who's around them. Let Let us do that, right? Let us do that. They need to focus on their game because, as of right now, they're going to have to outperform two teams that are playing really well. And let's not forget, there is an outside chance that Ottawa, Buffalo, Washington, and Detroit can make another run, right? There's a, there's still teams that it's, it's unlikely, but we've seen what a week has done to the Pittsburgh Penguins here. One hot week for one of these teams puts them right back in the conversation if it's paired with a poor week from either the Islanders, Panthers, or Penguins. So we'll see what's able to happen, but a lot of these teams still have hope. And that is a dangerous thing for a Pittsburgh Penguins team who is fighting already two other teams, and then those four might also end up becoming a factor in the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, they're not mathematically out of it yet. It's...
0: Detroit may as well be. Yeah, they've fallen behind. It's going to take a miracle, but we've seen stranger things in the NHL.
1: Oh, yeah. It's... It'll be difficult. I'm just trying to look at the numbers here. It's you know, Penguins have 78 points. They're five up on Ottawa, who they just lost to. Ottawa's obviously the easiest team. Like they're ov- They got off to a good start to their week, right? They did. Picking up two easy points and not giving one uh, to the team they're fighting in Pittsburgh. I don't know what they have for the rest of the week, but there's a good start for them. Washington, I keep saying, can d- just dumb luck their way into stuff. They keep giving Ovechkin the puck. They're going to keep scoring goals. Now, they're on a two-game losing streak here, but uh, semantics, so what? They could still dumb luck their way in, right? They've also five points back. It's not like they are distant third, fourth, like Buffalo Detroit here, who, you know, 72 and 69, respectively. It's They, have that, they also have 69 games played. They're a
0: game-in-hand type team right now. And I believe they also play each of the three teams that we have already talked about in this segment, the Penguins, the Panthers, and the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, Detroit three-game
1: losing streak, Buffalo two. Buffalo just, I don't know. if they, like they, they obviously don't seem to have it left anymore. Yeah, they fell off. But bad weeks from other teams, and they find something. They dumb luck their way into some things. This could get frightening.
0: It takes Tage Thompson saying this is not how the story ends for them to potentially get back into it, right? And he, he's showing Devin to-
1: Levi can't play this year, right?
0: Who? Their goalie they just signed? I do not believe he would be able to, or he would. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. So, either way,
1: not that that helps. They but, have, you know,
0: three goaltenders, four, four goaltenders, three, yeah. whatever. Um, plenty of goaltenders. But no, when it comes down to the Pittsburgh Penguins and the and the Florida Panthers, Panthers are hot. Penguins are not. And you know, it needs to switch around if if the Pittsburgh team is going to get back into the into the postseason picture. And and here's the thing too. We can, all jokes aside, the Pittsburgh Penguins are better off if they make the playoffs. I know that's been a conversation that's been floated around. You know what? We'll talk about that after the break. Are the Penguins better off missing the postseason in the 2022-2023 season? We're going to talk about that right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We finished last segment posing a question, Horwat, Are the Pittsburgh Penguins better off missing the playoffs? I've seen this come up a couple of different times. I know Jake had a fantastic score- story on Inside the Penguins a couple days ago about it. Go check that out. But I want to ask you, are they better off missing the postseason? It's so hard to tell because I would
1: say they might be at this point, but in the same vein, they make that first round, you get the bonus of adding a year to that list. Uh, then if you go out in a disappointing fashion, what's four more games, right? What what is four more games to this team? Wait, what changes? What changes there? Mm-hmm. Does... This is assuming they get swept as well. Like, let's say they win. Let's say they knock off a win or two. What what legitimate like what changes do fans want to see here, right? What do they want to see? They want to see the new general manager take over. They want to see ownership give a damn. They want to see sweeping changes to the bottom six and maybe the defense and maybe the goaltending. What doesn't what does a first round exit take away from that list? Mm-hmm. Does I mean, maybe Jari sticks around. Maybe the goaltending doesn't become a conversation anymore because you're going to need good goaltending at this point to get into the playoffs. So if you get in, maybe Jari proved himself, right? There's that. Like I said, I'm not expecting the bottom six to wake up anytime soon. So if if they make it to the second round, okay, now things are not going to change. But at the same time, they made it to the second round. What what went right? Mm. So I think making it in is, I don't want to say a win-win, for sake of uh, this whole situation. But I think they might be okay going in. They might be better off going in because also, getting to the playoffs, anything's possible. We've seen eights go on runs. Mm-hmm. This the, the Penguins feel like a nine, though. That's kind of the thing, right? They don't feel like a team that can do it. Um, this, this is going to be a very interesting and philosophical question for the next couple of weeks here. But mm-hmm. I think... Getting in, and as disappointing as it would be, it it would crush a fan base to watch this team lose in the first round again, but maybe we have a little bit of a different experience if we're expecting it. Mm. It hurts a little less. Um, So I think it's a win-win getting in. I think I've talked myself into it, that you get in, um, it's if you get out in the first round, like I said, you're going to get those changes you're looking for Mm -hmm. because the expectations are higher, hopefully, with any... With any good luck, ownership is watching and paying attention to what needs to be changed and what needs to be done, front office wise. <sighs> and hopefully, whoever the next face is knows what needs to be done to the lineup. Mm. I think, not. I think I have a lot of i-thinks. It's, <laughs> um, but it's just not coming out. Yeah. I think a lot of things can uh, go right for the Penguins if during this offseason, if they don't get in, but also if they get in and take a first-round exit. Mm-hmm. But again, if they get in and win around,
0: we're a happier fan base, we're a happier yeah. group, and something went right, clearly. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you can make the playoffs, you're always better off making the playoffs. You know, everybody's saying, you know, if you miss the playoffs, if you tank now real hard, you get a half-decent chance at Conor Medard. You, it's you not don't. but okay. <laughs> you, you really don't. You don't get a half-decent yeah. chance. You get a... 3% chance instead of a 0.1% chance. Like that, that's that's it. And if you make the playoffs, you get a 0% chance. But like, you're not better off. You're not gonna get that position. You're not gonna move up in the draft lottery. That's not gonna happen. And even if you do and you don't get Connor Bedard, is that really much better off? You have that player, and that's great. That's phenomenal. I'm not knocking whoever's number two, what Adam Fantilli, Matvey Mitchkoff. I'm not knocking those guys. But at the same time. If you can make the playoffs, you're always better off making the playoffs. This is the take. Like, if you're on the other side of this, nothing against Jake. It's going to sound like it's coming out against Jake. But if you're on the other side of this take that they're better off missing the playoffs, you're spoiled. Because if you can make the playoffs, make the playoffs. It's the same thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did I want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs this year? Yeah, I did. Did I want to watch them in the playoffs? No. Do I want to watch this Pittsburgh Penguins team potentially in the postseason? No. As a hockey fan, that's probably not the most entertaining thing that can happen, especially when you have Florida and the Kachuks and all of that going on. But do I want them to make the postseason? Yes, for several reasons. I want to cover a playoff series again because it's always fun, and you can have a chance to potentially shock everybody and pull off an upset. If they get into the second round, then there you go. They've they've broken the curse of the string of losing playoff series. If they do not get into the postseason, there's not much of a difference between that, like you mentioned, and losing in the first round. So why not get into the playoffs and give yourself a shot? Like, you're better off always giving yourself an opportunity because all you need, we always mention it, all you need is a goaltender to get hot at the right moment. And while Tristan Jari hasn't shown much life, since returning, he has it in him somewhere. If he finds it, the Pittsburgh Penguins are much better off. Especially, you would have to imagine you get Ruta back, you get Pedersen back, you get Kulikov back, you get these guys back healthy, and you never know what it looks like when it's put all together in a postseason atmosphere. Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel took over that series against the Rangers. Are we doubting that they would be able to do it again? Now, the Penguins are not a better team than they were last year. I don't think they're close to being as good of a team as they were last year. Honestly, this is probably the second worst team of the Sidney Crosby era. Just flat out second worst team behind that obviously rookie year Crosby team because it was was not great. But they're still always better off making the playoffs. It's better for business for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They get those ticket sales, even though people have not been showing up as much. I'm sure more would if, if they make the playoffs. It's better for the brand continuing that playoff streak. And it's better for the players because these guys, obviously, they're going to have fire to come back next year. This is not the year that they wanted, specifically the the core. If they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, it's not going to give them less desire to go out there and win next year than if they miss the playoffs altogether. Mm -hmm. So there is no, in my opinion, there's no benefit to missing the playoffs if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would say there's benefits.
1: I see both sides of
0: the argument, and, and for sure. And, sorry, last thing. There's nothing uh-huh. that's going to change between them making the playoffs and losing the first round and missing the playoffs when it comes to their future outlook. If Hextall's going to get fired, those two, he's going to get fired either way. Like, even mm-hmm. if they make the playoffs and go to seven games, if he was going to get fired before that, if they miss the playoffs, he's still going to get fired after that. Like, it's going to take them getting to the second round and beyond for him to save his job. And even then it might not be safe. So again, that's the last thing I wanted to say about that. I forgot to mention it.
1: No, you're good. It's, it's kind of, it's part of the point that I made too. It is, there is no difference between a first round exit and not making it this year. It's just the way that this is going to work out. There's interesting things that can happen in the playoffs. Everyone always says it's fun hockey. You never know what's going to happen. And you're right. You're totally right. Especially if they squeak in as the second seed. Now, yeah, we st- we get stuck with Boston. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe their President's Trophy hangover hits them a little too hard a little too early. You never know what could happen. Uh and Jari seems to get in uh, the Bruins' head pretty often. <laughs> you really never know. Who no. knows where that uh, Winter Classic goes if Jari stays in net healthy. You know? Um it's and also let's just be honest man but there is nothing quite like playoff hockey Mm-mm. nothing nothing what's two two extra games of playoff revenue by the way doesn't move the needle that much it does like there is you see the bolster in revenue in terms of the business side of things you see it but then you only see it's two games and it's just this much up yeah Oh well, hold on, hold. That's when that's when ownership clicks a little. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have the ability to get a little bit more than that. All right, what needs to change to get that more? What what mm-hmm. needs to change for more? Especially a new ownership group. I get they saw it last year, but they were still new, trying to find their way in the weeds, if you will. This is their first full. This is their f- first full season, right? Or is it? Yes. Second? I, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, maybe they see the little growth and go, hey, you know what? We're on to something here. We have a team that can do something. What has been holding
0: us back? Fans, what has been holding us back? Oh, that's a lot of issues. Let's change them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of issues. Uh, One of them particularly might be the fact that they really don't know who to put out on their forward lineup. Uh, Alex Nylander gets benched and scratched in favor of Danton Heinen in the lineup Is there really any answer to the Penguins' bottom six? Because you saw that. It was Paling and Granlund on the third line as well. Granlund moved off of center. Paling bumped up. O'Connor, Carter, Archibald becomes the fourth line. The top six got switched around so many times last night that I, I don't even know if there is a constant that we can expect to look forward to on this road trip. So, honestly, is there any real solution to the Pittsburgh Penguins' bottom six at this point in the season? No.
1: Nope. We've seen the options. The options are Alex Nylander, who looked good, just couldn't capitalize anymore for the time being. Maybe he's a next-year person. Uh, Drew O'Connor, like I said, got that shot first mentality, gets great chances, isn't finishing. Drew uh, Jeff Carter, again, needs no introduction. Six minutes still seems like too much sometimes, doesn't it? Um, who else am I missing down there? Ryan Palings, or third-line center. I mean, okay, but yikes. Nick Benino's hurt. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, there's there's no more solutions. Uh, Michael Granlund become a, has become a ghost. Yeah. Uh, honestly, we may as well just play the top six over and over again. Just turn it into a video game, guys. Just those six players over and over. Maybe we throw O'Connor out because we f- we're feeling the vibes. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's getting laughable. It, Watching the Rangers games was depressing. Watching last night, I giggled the entire time. This is—it's getting laughable.
0: I, you know, I might be a sadist, I, but I was laughing the entire Rangers game on Saturday. I was just, you know, after oh, a, yeah. after the first period, where I was like, okay, they're still in it. They they played well. Shesterkin looks like a brick wall, and obviously the Penguins were giving up not great goals. Uh, as soon as they scored that third goal, I said, this is going to be a rout. And I just, you know, laughed the whole way home. Um, That was basically it. But when you look at this lineup, you mentioned there's not much they can do with it, and there isn't. I mean, Alex Nylander getting benched, you could sense that that was coming down the pike. Yeah. Because the second he got taken off of the second line after, what, two games? You knew, all right, well, eventually he's going to fall right out of the lineup, and we can all expect that. Zero goals in six games, one assist in the six games. He had good underlying numbers, 62% of the shot attempts, 66% of the expected goals, 63% of the scoring chances, but he just does not have the finish that is necessary for him to be on those lines. I mean, he should get another chance. I hope that in the last 12 games, he plays at least another six of them, gets a dozen games under his belt this season, but it just doesn't seem like he has the ability to finish, whether it's him scoring the goal or making the pass leading to the goal. It does not seem like he, in that equation, is able to get over the hump, um, and I think that obviously is an issue with a lot of the players on this team. But as a young player on this team, you have to know you're not going to get the leash and the runway to be able to miss enough of those and still stay in the lineup.
1: Yeah, it's it's been the trend. Hey, we have a call up. That's great. He's gonna play a couple games. He's not gonna produce it. He's gonna be he's gonna move down the lineup and then eventually get scratched and then eventually sent back down. Mm-hmm uh i think i don't know if he does see ice time again for us i don't know why i don't think that but there's the, the underlying numbers are great listen listen the penguins the thing about underlying numbers is they are great the penguins are past the point of relying on that though we need yeah. hard numbers we need hard visible goals assists points plus minus we you can have a lot the great expected goals all you want that's a that's an early season thing that is a you are winning thing right if, if we're in the top three we have a good spot in the playoff run maybe we experiment a little more with the expected goals guys mm-hmm. the guys that hey look at these analytics they're driving stuff let's keep them in for a little bit longer we're past that point we're past analysts can still be there don't I'm not mm-hmm. outing this community and saying get no but it's' For now, we need the hard numbers, guys. We need the guys that are going to produce. I don't care what your expected goals look like. You could be tanking in that, but if you're putting up points, in the lineup, mm-hmm. although we don't have those guys. So what, what? <laughs> that is also the issue.
0: Yeah. But When you look at all of the big analytics player card guys on on the internet, Andy and Rono, Jay Fresh, even the Athletic has dipped their toe into it now with Dom LeCision and Shayna Goldman all do a phenomenal job. The one thing that's on most of their cards that the Pittsburgh Penguins seem to always have the bottom fall out on is finishing. Most important thing there is finishing those chances. You know, it's like you said, great to have expected goals. Can you finish your opportunities? That's the one thing I think Alex Nylander was struggling with. And uh, that's why I said yesterday, I was like, okay, it makes sense. Like, I would like to see Nylander in. Do I think that Nylander gives you a better opportunity than Heinen? Yes. But at this moment in time, you need results. And Alex Nylander hasn't given you results. Danton Heinen hasn't either this season. But let's not forget, Danton Heinen had, what, 18 goals last year? You look at the bottom six last year. Evan Rodriguez, he evaporated, but he had still done it throughout the season. Dayton Heinen, he's evaporated, but he still did it last season, and he did it at the early portion of this season. So that's why those guys are going to get opportunities, according to Mike Sullivan. I do think that Nylander should get another one, like I said. And honestly, you have two call-ups left. Clearly, if if you, I mean, there's nobody left to call up on the defense. Like Taylor Ferdun is your break class in case of emergency, and we're already past that. So if you're calling somebody else up on defense, it's probably an emergency call-up. So you have your two actual call-ups left. It's probably, like, bring up Pustinan. Give him a shot, right? Let him be the third-line left wing for the rest of the season. 12 games. What do you have to lose at this point, right? Is he that much worse, even though he has one-game sample size in the NHL? Is he that much worse than what you're trotting out there with Danton Heinen or even Alex Nylander, right? Because Nylander and Pustinen. We're neck and neck throughout the entire season in Wilkes-Barre. Why not give this kid another shot? Like, and I might just be a, a Pustinen and Homer. You know, I obviously go to bat for him a lot on this podcast. But you need to try something. We started this entire topic. You said, there's not much left to do, right? We've seen basically everything. There's not much you can change that will actually make this better. At that moment, why not give your young guys a shot? Neilander get him back in the lineup. Pustin, and give him an opportunity give these guys a shot because if you don't and you miss out on the playoffs, then what was it for? Like use this as an opportunity to help you not only hopefully get a spark and get back into the playoffs for this year, but help you for next year as well. See what you have, give them an opportunity to get their feet wet. So you're not starting next season, not knowing what you have in a guy like Pustinen or a guy like Nylander. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think (sighs) I'm with you on it. The idea of giving these guys a shot, I think part of it also falls to giving your young guys the call up. Is that's kind of the look you give whenever you've thrown in the towel, right? That's kind of a hey, we're out of it. Here come our new guys to see what our future holds. That's sort of that vibe too. I get like there's a little bit of both in it. There is if you're winning, you do the same thing to try and get them the experience, see what they can do in time for maybe a postseason run. Uh, but we're this late into the season. You know, mm-hmm. at this point, it is, hey, we're given, like, we're out. We're giving the guys that might come around next year their chance. It's it's a weird mindset because we always look at, when you look at, like, p- players' careers runs, right? They're their statistics. You see, like, two games in their rookie season or in their first year in the NHL, and you go, which two games were they? And you realize it's April. It's April games they're playing. And it's, you know, they went on to be something in the league, but it was, okay, they. They played two games in April and then that was it. They were just getting that last second run in. It could person come up and help with a push. He could. He could. But I don't I just in my opinion, I don't think there's enough runway for Sullivan to
0: be okay with that. He's going to have to be. Like that to me the difference is the Penguins are so bad in the bottom 6 that anything uh, yeah. could help. And I'm
1: yeah, and I'm with you on that, let anybody new to the bottom six because of this bottom six yes totally like i said if we're if we're winning we're not even having the discussion of pusina right now no not even coming to mind but they're not winning exactly so i I agree with you there that at this point anybody in the bottom six is gonna help Mm -hmm. i just feel like sullivan's not gonna go for it it's not the vibe it's not the correct not the not the correct vibes to give off but it's always how losing teams look they're calling up their young guys when it's when they're down and out uh you need your guys here to do something though yeah uh, it's it's very much there's no wrong answer to the Poussin situation too there's
0: no wrong answer the wrong answer was not giving him a shot in the first place this season and especially if he doesn't For get sure. one in the last 12 games that's the wrong answer but as far as where we're at right now i don't know if there's a right answer right like, there, there there are wrong answers to be had here but I don't know if there's quite the right answer, because I think that you've backed yourself into a corner so much, if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, with this bottom six, that you're not going to be able to fight out of it before the end of the season. So you just have to hope that some guys turn around and and get better, because they're not good. They're not good in the bottom six right now. Jeff Carter is playing six minutes a night. Now, I understand that deservedly so, and he should be playing six minutes a night. But you know who else has to play six minutes a night? Is Drew O'Connor? and Josh Archibald, who are better than that. They are better than that, and that's the issue. It's the same thing that happened when the Penguins brought over Ryan Reeves. Mike Sullivan doesn't trust these guys in most situations, so he runs three lines into the ground. It's not good. You cannot have passengers and be a playoff team. Nine times out of ten, that can't happen. The only good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins is the drivers are Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin who can carry those passengers to a certain extent. And we're seeing just how far they can carry them this season. And right now, it might not carry them into the playoffs. That's an issue. That is an issue. So, plenty of stuff to discuss as time goes on. 12 games left in their regular season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are out of a playoff spot right now. But we will be back all week, all season... We will be back here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast feed, whether it is full episodes of Tip of the Iceberg, whether it is shorter episodes of Penguins to Go, or as we've been doing over the past couple of weeks, bringing on a guest and just having that as a bonus episode of Tip of the Iceberg. So we'll have plenty of stuff to discuss as the season rolls on, as the NHL playoffs draw nearer, and let's see if the Pittsburgh Penguins up to the challenge of getting into the playoffs for the 17th straight season. That's it for this one. We will see you guys next time.